What's up, Gio? What's going on? Oh, what's going on? We got contract extensions everywhere. How many years did you get? <laughs> <laughs> I got a, a week to week Thursday after Thursday morning. All you got to do is just throw on a Sabre shirt, go down to the rink. You get a seven, seven year deal or an extension. Not according to Riz. I think uh, I think Sabretooth just got a 15-year extension, too. Hey, this is what happens, though. You start to have success, you're identifying your talent, and you move forward. Thank with you, Gio. With your decisions. Whether me, they're right or wrong, you, Gio, you move forward with your decisions. Kevin Adams got an extension. Well-deserved. I think it well-deserved. I think Don Granato got an extension. Well-deserved. Okay, excellent. We're on the same page right now. You have Matias Samuelson. Okay, he's 22 years old. He's played 54 games in the league, signed a seven-year extension on top of the one year he has left at 925. He makes $4,285,000 a year. Good deal. Listen, it's it's not a... This is a true projection deal. You're, this is the classic, um, you know, as a player, you're looking security... And guarantee, right? So for Samuelson, he checks all those boxes. Is is this a great deal for he's him locked, or is this he's a great deal up. for the team? And let this, him finish. Jesus. Yeah. This is the thing, right? Like you look at a past deals that are like this, that the players have foregone here, they've taken security over maybe high end, right? Like over being able to get to a higher number, a Pacioretty deal, a Gallagher deal, um, where they were on club-friendly long-term deals and they blow up and they're 30-plus goal scorers and they should be making seven, eight million and they're making four and a half. You know what I mean? Now, is Sam McKinnon be- signs a six-year deal for $6 million, exactly. uh, six years, and he should have been making $12 million. Exactly. So... This is where the club has identified someone who they want long-term and think is going to Say that take again. off. Say that again, Gio. The team has what? Identified this player okay, as, a, as a long-term yes. solution for them. And they are taking him maybe in the front end of this a little high on the salary. But a little. You know, two, three years into this deal, they're hoping that they're gaining a $2 million swing two and a half million dollar swing on on that player so when i ask you a question in years three four five six seven of this deal that they are on the friendly side of the contract yes for this and open up money question for more talent coming down the road there you go so they they're playing the odds here okay they're looking at um a player that they project right now matias samuelson is going to play with the number one defenseman on the team in rasmus Dahlin. He's probably going to play upwards of 22, maybe 23 minutes a night. Would you agree with that, Gio? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's, I think it's safe to say that he's in their plans to be a, a big piece of this. Okay. With, with, so, with them doing that. And so you're so, looking at a guy who's going to go into this year. They're not allowing him to go into the year, finish the year, come out, be a number one shutdown defenseman on the team, play with the number one defenseman on the team, play over 22, 23 minutes a night on the team. And now you're sitting there looking at a guy going, okay, well, that that's not that's not a four four point two million dollar defenseman anymore. That's no. a five point seven five for a defender, an elite defender moving forward. They elected it 
to sign him. And, and just what you said, Gio, he's got his first year finishing his entry-level deal at 925. Then for the next two years, okay, let's just say, you know, his 23-year-old year and 24-year-old year that he's somewhat justifying still a $4.2 million deal, okay? Because he's a number one pair defenseman, shutting down number one lines on the other team. But now all of a sudden, you're looking at this going, He's not worth 4.2. He's worth well more than that. He's he's worth 6 million plus dollars. And I can see him being that defenseman in years from now because in 4 years from now, Gio, in 2025-26 season, the salary cap's going to be 92 million. It's going to be And he's only million. 3 years into that new he's deal. He's only 3 years into the deal. So, this is what people need to look at is it's a risk on both sides, this type of deal. It's a risk on the club, and it's a risk on the player. And when I say risk on the player, people are going to be like, oh, he's fucking guaranteed $30 million. What kind of risk is that? But he could be in those last four years of that deal. Say he signs the four-whatever and change for a, a four- or five-year deal, and he comes out of that, and now all of a sudden he's a six, $7 million guy. You've just left on the table $8 million. You know what I mean? And so that's the risk of the player saying, I'm going to take the security of the 30 million and lock it in rather than chase the 40 million. You know what I mean? In that, in that that's year, right. it's a calculated risk on both sides. And so it's too early to tell whether it's the right call or wrong call. All right. So, so Gio, this well, is you know, your first can time. I, can on. I add a no, guy? You've been because asking there all the questions. There is, Fuck. Well, listen, I mean, the show's great right now. So I'll, I'll continue to ask the questions. <laughs> I have another guy and you guys tell me if you guys think that this was a good deal for the player or a good deal for the team. The guy from Dallas who signed a long-term contract, Klinberg, who's now with uh, Anaheim. Klinberg was making $4 million. $4 million. He was putting up 50, 60 points a year in Dallas for a number of years. So who won that deal? Dallas clearly, clearly won that deal. But Klinberg signed that deal because he was given security. He was given money that he'll never be able to. He's, he doesn't have to look back and say, you know, I made a bad decision by not taking the money. He took the money. And, yeah, and he and outplayed the contract, but he still got the job security. You you also have to play with your next. What what age are you? Where are you coming out of your this deal? Right. So Samuelson's how old is he now? Twenty two. Twenty two. Okay. Yeah. So you know he's going to be thirty coming out of this deal. Would it have been better for him to take a five year deal and be twenty eight coming out of it? You know, like. Like you have to like as hard as it is to say no to the 30, now you're coming out all of a sudden the 30 million, all of a sudden when you're 30, now all of a sudden you're old. And now you could be a potential of only signing a two. That's probably why the Sabres gave the seven was because that's more enticing. You know what I mean? Like for I sure, think for sure more, it is. more um likely to not to to not take the four or five year deal right away and and be enticed into the seven year deal. Now here's 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 and it's how more many, likely. Do you it's know more how many likely, games uh, Jonathan Klinberg played before he signed that uh twenty nine point seven two five million dollar deal for seven years? Do you know how many games he played in the league? How many? He was under a hundred. Sixty five. Yeah. What were his stats? Sixty five games. 
He had 11 goals and 40 points. Okay, so 65 games for uh, 40 points for a defenseman is a little more, um, I think, potential to 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 see into the future with what you're going to get versus a 54 game defenseman um, who just came out of the minors. Now that being said, I, the the one thing I wanted to say before Craig said the show was so much better, so he's going to keep talking, was. I, I have been very vocal about the Tage Thompson contract, about just why not wait another year? You know, he, he it's only been he's only had one really good year. Why don't you wait and see what he really ha- what you really have in him? I am I am I like this deal more because of the potential side of it. Like Tage Thompson's salary may, if he doesn't ever pan out to be the player that he uh, that he was last year, would never be seven million. But Samuelson has a better chance of making more than his contract, in my opinion, than Tage Thompson's potential to actually live up to the contract. Well, I think what you're saying, PD, is right. Like at four million dollars, is that not an average defenseman in the league nowadays? Uh, Riv said yesterday. Riv called me yesterday. He goes, Marco Scandella was here. He was making four million dollars. Who would you rather have? A 22 year old six five Samuelson who's played 54 games. Or Marco Scandella. No disrespect, Marco. You're a very good defenseman, but I would take Samuelson a hundred times out of a hundred. And and that's only going to hold true three, four years out as he continues to either be what he is now, even if he is what he is now. Yes. You're okay with it because it's an average defenseman salary. You're you're not eating it. You're not like like if an average defenseman right now is two point nine, like so what? You're 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 you're, you're in the mil- you're in the bad side of a million dollar contract. Basically, you're a million three over. Yeah, and as you know. Riv pointed out, he said it's not a seven year deal for thirty million. It's an eight year deal for roughly about thirty one, which pr- yeah, yeah, which yeah. breaks down to no, no. It was a great point by him. I yeah, didn't yeah. pick up on that. And if you run those numbers, it's three point eight five million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, per season over eight years. So it it he's gonna grossly out outdo this contract. Yeah, he, for sure. I'm gonna tell you right now, if Matias Samuelson has himself a year, and when I say a year, I set a, a year where he's playing 22, 23 minutes a night against the very best players, the Austin Matthews, the the McDavid's, the guys that need to be shut down. He's gonna be playing against Crosby or Malkin. This guy is going to be playing the tough minutes, the really tough minutes. And if he does a nice job, we're looking at next year, we're looking at 4.2 plus million dollars as as a steal. He's a steal. Potentially. Potentially. Okay. But in this this league right now, a $4 million salary for a defenseman is, is basically your fourth, fifth, defenseman it's just the way it is your fourth and fifth defensemen are are making around four million dollars right yeah, yeah i mean th- that fifth but is, you is realize question, the but yeah. salary cap in four years from now when three years into his contract the salary cap is going to be 92 million well, what's the salary going to cap going to be two years after that it could be 96 million i mean his 4.2 million dollar deal five six years into the deal is going to look like, I mean, the greatest contract of all time. What do you, uh, what are you thinking for the season opener tonight? Geo here in Buffalo. We just had Mark Mathod on. He picked, um, he said four, three Ottawa, but Ottawa is a much improved team this year. So I, I mean, I, I don't if look he at, was on with Ottawa guys. 
he would be, he, he, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not true. Mark Mathot gave us the old four, three, because we were Buffalo guys sitting here talking to him. He thinks Ottawa is going to come in and spank us. All the I, I Ottawa don't think so. crew. I don't think so. No, yes, I, I think it's yes, going to be, I think, I think it's going to be a do. game. It's going to be, th- this is, this is the thing early on. Like you're, you're finally out of preseason. Your mentality is to get off to a good start, right? You guys, we know what it's like. We've played, we've prepared for opening night. You want to come out and have a good night. You want to feel good about your game. You want to feel good about the team's game. Um, but there's so much in these first 10 games that is up in the air. Everyone's feeling each other out still. And the Sabres have a jump start in the sense that there's not a ton of turnover in the roster. So the hope is to continue to build off of last year's finish right from the start. The uh, Ottawa, much improved team on paper, but how does that equate to the game and to wins, right? Like how early does that happen? So my first year in Montreal, we changed over at minimum eight, nine guys on that roster, free agency, trades. You had a Camilleri, Moen, myself, Gomez on a trade. You had a ton of hell Gill coming in, spot check coming in. Our, our first half of the season was up and down. And then we turned it on halfway through the year and we ended up sneaking into playoffs on the last day of the, of the regular season. And we went to the conference finals. So early on, on these teams that have made a ton of changes, you don't know what it's going to look like until you're 10, 15, 20 games in. And the risk with that is sometimes that's too late to find out what type of team you are. And you're talking about about that. What about the teams that have not done, uh, made major changes? What about the teams that have done minimal that have, that's what I just said, where, where Buffalo, Buffalo has an advantage in the sense that they have roughly the same roster or guys that have been in the system, played for the team already. And now you're just hoping that you continue to move on from where you started last year. You're starting to build from that. The argument to that is you're talking, you know, you're talking about when you mentioned spot check and Gill, you're talking about experienced NHL players coming into a team and still having to feel accustomed. They know what NHL games feel like the rigorous schedule, all that stuff. You have three young guys, one who's never played a game in the league. One that's only played two. I don't think he's had a road trip and Owen power. So, I mean, you know, there's, you know, and then you have a Labushkin and, and you have you have younger players that you might have to get accustomed to. So how does that affect with uh you know the start of the season, Geo? Well, the 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 young guy coming in, it's going to be an adjustment. It's gonna be adjustment to the grind of the season. And they're like there's no way around it. Like this is not two games a week. This is not you know, uh, we're in a steady schedule where we play on the weekend. Even the minor league schedule, you need to adjust the NHL. The minor league, you play on a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You play on a weekend. You got your Monday off. You got a Tuesday, Wednesday practice. There's some consistency in your schedule in the AHL. There's nothing in the NHL. It's game day. It's practice. If you got two practice days in a row, that's a lot throughout the course of a season. Because even if you got three days between games, you're taking a day off, you're coming back practicing twice, and then you're playing another game. You know, so it's you have to adjust to the schedule, whether you're a minor leaguer, whether you're uh, coming from the OHL, whether you're a college kid. The NHL grind is it's hard. You got to adjust to it. What do you think of the roster, Sabres roster? I like it. I mean, it's 
listen, they, they've, they've made some improvements. Um, the biggest thing for me is what happens with these guys, your Thompson's, uh, your Krebs, uh, your Quinn's, how do they continue to get better? Do they plateau or are they staying on that steady rise? And that I think will define what, where this team sits come February, March. Hey, when you scored 48, what was your next season mentally like starting? How much pressure did you have to even come close to that? And I'm speaking specifically for Tage Thompson. Uh, it was a lot, but so the year I scored 48, I was making 600 grand. Um, it was coming out of the lockout. We took our that might have to be the greatest our... cap friendly deal in the history <laughs> of one season in the league. We we took our we, we took our hit right. So going into lockout, I think I signed a a two year deal. Um, so we lost the one year, and so it was the second half of that two year deal, and we took that. Uh, you know, they had kind of chopped our salaries. What was it, twenty percent or twenty five percent or whatever it ended up being? Remember, it was twenty four percent rollback. Twenty four percent rollback. Um, so I was making six hundred that year. Scored forty eight, and then um, coming out of that is when I started to uh, make make good money. But um, it, it was hard. So I had to adjust to a, a much bigger contract and the expectation that you are now a 40-goal scorer, right? And so... And how much harder were teams playing you? Was it hard? Oh, you're, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's hard, right? Because that whole second half of that year, I scored 48. You're on the first power play. You're first line. You're, you're getting all the tough matchups. There was no hiding that. Early in the year, maybe you could catch people by surprise, but you're going in in February and you got 30 plus goals. Teams know who the hell you are or what you're, they, they scout. So <laughs> you're not surprising any team. You've seen all these teams before in that year. So I don't think your matchups and stuff like that will change for your Thompsons, but I think it's expectation of the contract, ex- expectation to continue to score goals, right? It's easier when you're surprising yourself and and people around the league that you are a 30, 40 goal scorer, but to do it consistently is a much different animal. Craig, wheels are spinning up there. Or you want me to keep going? Show's great right now. <laughs> um do you anticipate Tage Thompson this coming year to continue to score in the range of thirty-eight? I mean, I think like, he what is what I is think that? he's I think He's a a 30 goal scorer, right? If he can be around 30 and you have to stay healthy. So that year coming out of my 48, I'd have to look. I was right around 30. I was probably 28, 29 goals, but I'd only played 60 games. I was hurt for 20 plus games. So you have to stay healthy in order to feel good about your game because you go down with an injury for seven to 10 days. Now you got to find your groove again. You go out for two weeks, you go out for a month, like there's different challenges with being hurt minus just the injury itself and playing through pain. It's the, the timing, the, the feeling good about your game, the getting the confidence back. I think the hardest thing is the injury. Yeah. What it is, you know, is it a groin? Is it a hip? Is it a shoulder? Is it hand? What, what does that affect? I think for Thompson, what the advice I would give him and what I what you deal with, what I dealt with, what other people deal with, that you go two games without scoring, all, all of a sudden, 
the pressure's on and, and that you're not helping the team. You go three, four games without a goal and the team's lost a few of those. Well, their scoring's dried up. Where's our offense? Why aren't we producing? And now that falls on him. And whether it's a perception thing, you know, he could be playing the game the right way and it's just not going in. He could be creating chances. It's just not going in. But you need to produce. It's a You need to make things happen and you need to produce because you're being paid high money and the NHL is what it is. The expectations are high and you need to win. And so that falls on those top guys. And so that can be tough when you go three, four games without a goal, five games. Now you're starting to question how you're playing. So let me Do ask you. Th- go ahead. Be- no, 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 no. Do you think that the signing of Tage Thompson, the the price tag in which he is signed, you have a Jess Skinner making nine, you have uh, uh, Tage Thompson, he's making seven. You're, you're, you're putting you're putting your so-called your big boys in the same basket. Do you think it's going to help the rest of the lineup that those guys are going to have so, so much um, emphasis put on them to shut down that line? Do you think that can help this year? Casey Middlestat and, and, a, and a Jack Quinn, who's new to the league and, and a tuck. Do you think that can help a cousins, a Paterka and, and a Krebs? It, it absolutely helps. Because there's only so much ice to go around for those shutdown guys, right? They're going to be getting the matchups. You have to choose. And that's what makes depth scoring so important in the league is that when your top line isn't scoring in that game because they're facing a great shutdown group, now your 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 two and three lines, that's when they are producing. And so that's why... It is what it is in the sense that you're trying to build depth scoring so you can no longer get shut out on those days when your top line is not at its best or being shut down. So it opens up time and space and more favorable matchups for your next group coming through. Your your second and third line guys have a, a much greater chance of succeeding because they have a more favorable matchup. I hope he I hope he rips one home tonight. I hope he rips two home tonight and gets off to a nice good start and gets everybody feeling good because I think that's that's gonna be the first guy that people would love to see get on the scoreboard first. Um Jack Quinn's another guy. You got a young kid coming in here with a lot of expectations. <laughs> Gio, I'm I'm expecting this kid to to actually score this year. I don't expect him to be like a 15 goal guy who's getting accustomed to the league. I expect him, because he's not 18. He's dominated the minors, which is not an easy place to score either, to come in and be a 25-goal scorer this year if he stays healthy in all 82 games. Unrealistic? Unfair? Um, I, I do think it's a bit heavy for him. Um, Why? Why it, is that it, such it, a, a big ask? 20-25 goals in a league is not an easy thing. Like we're tossing around like it's something. Isn't he starting? He's starting on the second line. He's a freaking young kid. Like I don't care what line you're on. You're like you like twenty goals is hard to freaking score in this league. You're talking one every four games. You know, like it's is that a lot? Well, how much does a twenty goal scorer make in this league? What kind of premium are put on twenty goal scores? 
Well, you have a 21 goal scorer in uh, Thompson this year in, in uh, St. Louis making eight million on a 64 million dollar deal. Not a big deal. You know, like it's, he's a few years into in the league though. Yeah. But I mean, so, so th- that's why I say, like, like yes, you want Quinn to hit those numbers, and he he may be there, but if he's at if he's making a difference and he's at 12, 15 goals and really contributing to the team, I think that's a successful season for him. I don't think you have to hit 20 for you to look at Quinn and be like, eh, anything under 20 is unacceptable for him this if year. If I were to tell you right now that in 82 games, Jack Quinn would have 23 goals, 34 assists, and 58 points, would that be a, a season that we would be impressed with? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's Lucas Raymond. That's Lucas Raymond from the Detroit Red Wings that was drafted fourth overall. He played uh, last year and he was 19 years old. Jack Quinn is 21 years old. He's an eighth overall pick. He's established himself in the minors, okay, and was leading in goals and in points after the first 20, 25 games of the year, okay, and then he ended up getting mono. So he was out for, for a little while. He had exceptional stat, uh, stats to finish the season. I believe with this, with the position that you're putting Jack Quinn in, you're putting him on the second line with Casey Middlestat and Alex Tuck. I expect him to score 25 goals this year, Gio. <laughs> That's a tough expectation. Well, it is what, what it is. What do you think he expects from himself? If well, we he wants want to, we want to continue he, he, he to, be to be a bottom be feeder, okay? If we want to be a bottom feeder for, for the next uh, decade, like we were the last decade, we need one of these bloody players to pop. And I mean, not just have a good season. We need guys that are going to pop. We need Jack Quinn to pop as a rookie. We need Casey Middlestat to take his game to another level, a 60, 65 point guy. We need Alex Tuck to do what he's going to do. We need we need all of our players. We need Dylan Cousins not to have 13 goals. Okay? 13 goals is not acceptable. All right. All right. What happens if Cousins hits 20 and Quinn's at 15? Are you happy with those two young guys for the year? No. Well, that's an average of 17 and a half so each, so no. No. No, I'm not. If You need to get 45 to out make... of those two. You got to get 45 goals out of those two guys. Absolutely. Like like Dylan Cousins wants to sign a contract extension. I heard somewhere that he asked for six million bucks. I don't know if that's re- if that's true or not. But all I'm saying is, if you're going to ask for six million bucks or something along those lines, you better you better score twenty plus. Twenty plus. I'll tell you because last t- year last year he played what seventy. I, I think he played seventy eight games. He had thirteen goals and thirty eight points. Okay, that's a that's a you know a a forty point season or a 41 point season if he plays a full season we don't need a 13 goal 38 point season we need dylan cousins okay and and i believe but do you but do you think it was a disappointment looking back on last year was cousins a disappointment for you at that he was very average i don't think this team is any different last year with him on it or off of it I think Dylan Cousins has, uh, uh, you know, levels that we have not I, seen. hundred percent. I'm not saying that, but looking back, because this is what's going to happen with a Quinn. We're going to analyze it after the season, and you're going to give a grade to it as in, were you, is that good enough for you and your team and this player? 
I will say no. Was 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 Quinn or I mean was was Cousins in that category last yes. year for you? Yes, he was in that category because I'm looking at other elite players in in the game. I'm looking at Lucas Raymond, who goes to a very, very, very average Detroit Red Wings team, and he and he walks out of there with 23 goals and 57 points. But, but in his first year, he's 19 years old. Dylan Cousins is your was cousin's, in his second it, year. But you got a Skinner, you got a Tuck, you got a Thompson, and you got these guys that are in front of him in Detroit. Do you have those guys that are in front of a Raymond? Or is he the guy first over the boards? Is he like, and, and don't get me wrong. That's you have question. to perform. I don't you have to perform. He, 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 he did something with what he had, but is he still, there's a big difference what people don't understand between the first and second power play in a lot of teams. That first power play is on for a minute to a minute, 15, a minute, 20. Yeah. And now your second group is stepping over the boards with 35, 40 seconds left in the power play and 95% of the time starting in your own damn zone because the puck's been cleared down and now your first unit comes off. And so you got 35 seconds to get it from your goal line all the way down, get it set up and be productive. That's why the first power play unit the, the percentages work in their hands that those guys are point guys. Your second, there's a drop off to your second group on most teams. I'm not talking a one, a one B type of power play setup. I'm talking a one and a two. Your number two doesn't go over the boards first ever. And you're coming, you got about 35, 40 seconds on most power plays to, to do something. You're at an advantage from the guy that's not on the power play to gain points, but you're at a disadvantage to the power play one. And just sheer percentage of ice time and opportunity to get points. I think Jack. Did, Quinn, did I explain that? Like, do I? Yeah, do I? Yeah. No, no. A Jack Quinn will outscore Victor Olafson this year. I that's, hope he. I hope he does. That's going to happen. I, I. I mean, we're talking about cousins and everything like that. He didn't have even close to the junior numbers that that uh, Quinn put up. Maybe numbers, but not goals. The Quinn's a sniper, much like. And I've used this comparison, and not not because he comes on the show with us. But Thomas Vanek, Thomas Vanek came out of college a sniper, goes to the American League, puts up 40-something in 60-something games because he didn't score in the first 15 games, and comes to the NHL, scores 25 as a rookie. But, but it's opportunity, too. You know what I mean? Like, so but again, looking into the statistics so, of what you're talking about, Gio, you look at uh, Lucas Raymond. On, on, he, had, he had 18 points in the power play. He still had 40 points. Even strength, he scored 18 goals, even strength, and 40 points. So all I'm, all I'm asking, you're asking me a question. I'm looking at a 19-year-old Lucas Raymond that scored 23 goals and 57 points. What we, what we got in Dylan Cousins coming out of the world juniors, coming out of junior, the guy had an exceptional year in junior in the Western Hockey League. Then he goes to the World Junior Championships and he's one of the top players there. He played exceptionally well. Our our thought here in 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 Buffalo is that we have something special here. Then he went into a COVID year and kind of played his first year, which I don't know how many games that uh, Dylan Cousins played his, his first year, but last year was his last year was a big year for him. And 
do I think he played bad? No, I don't think uh, Dylan Cousins played bad. Do I think he has another level to his game? Absolutely. I think he has another level. I think he has another level goal scoring. I think he has another level to his just overall game with his strength and size and speed and hockey IQ. He's got to have a chip on his shoulder, Riv. He he better show it because there's a lot of guys that are vying for the money right now. There is a, there is only a Santa's bag full of cash and Kevin Adams is only going to give it out to a few guys. Okay. And there's That's an inside what, battle. It might be quiet, but there's a battle going on on the ice. Who is it? There's two players that I'm thinking of that are just absolutely well, in a Casey battle. Middlestat right now wants to establish one. himself as a top center in the league. Yeah. And Dylan Cousins is the other one for me. That's a, you know, Dylan Cousins two, is a three big battle. one, but, but you're, you're also looking at Erasmus Dahlin who, who is going to be up for a contract. Is he, a, you know, he's making 6 million bucks right now. Well, what is he going to be? Is he going to be an $8 million defenseman or is he going to be an $11 million defenseman? He's playing for a contract. Then you have Owen Power, who's only on a two-year rookie deal. So starting this year, he has two years left. What if Owen Power goes out, wins the Calder, blows it out of the water like that? Uh, what Maurice is it? Cider? No, Maurice Cider. What happens then? You're looking at a $10 million defenseman and Owen Power. Or maybe not ten million, yeah, but was, you get I, what I'm I didn't saying. Want to jump yeah. on you. I yeah. feel like a little, little at you got a little the crazy there. Days. But yeah, even an eight and a half, nine million. You look at you look at Kale McCarr signed a what a three year deal for nine million dollars. Okay, no, he's, he's not like said, a six year deal or something. But he's a Bartlett guy. We should know this, Geo. He's an unreal player, unreal kid. He's on a that. yeah. He's on a six year deal for nine million yeah. average. For nine million, so that's a standard in which is going to be set. So now you're looking at what an eight. If 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 Owen Power blows it out of the water this year, Kevin Adams has to sign him. He has to sign him to a long term contract. He has to do what he did with Matthias Samuelson. You're going to go and you're going to project. You're going to give money now. We've only seen you for one year, but we're going to give you a lot of money now to take away what you could be down three years down the line, which could be. Arguably one of the best defensemen in the league. Let's uh, let's change gears here and the hockey talk to you. I want to hear this story about youth hockey the other day that you wanted to share. <laughs> We're going to end on this one. Oh, man. I like I've contemplated how to approach this. Yeah. So just tell it the way it happened. But let me let me give a you sports are an absolute fucking joke right now like it is so absurd the parents the coaches the expectations like it has gotten so far out of whack every kid's going to the nhl every kid's getting a division one scholarship like it, it's absurd my youngest what, what age group are you coaching the group i'm talking about is my youngest who is a 10 you you're talking 10 year old kids I like this. Keep going. I like this. This is great. <laughs> Ten-year-olds. Okay, so we play a team, and this is what, what's today. There's a, this happened Tuesday, right? So just a couple of days ago, here in Buffalo. Here in Buffalo, local rank, two local teams. Nothing happened. We ended up beating the team. Beat them pretty good. Besides the point. What was the score? Uh, that's completely besides the point. Because no, it's I don't, not. 
It is absolutely beside the point because this could have been a one goal game. We could have been on the losing end by five or six goals in this incident. Yeah, but you know, you brought this in. This incident would have still happened. And you'll no, understand. You brought this up in the group chat. You'll understand. You said that you, you told the story a little bit, just gave us a little bits and pieces. And we said, save it. You got to, uh, you got to tell it on the show. So, so we don't even know what's going to happen, but Vanner popped into the conversation. <laughs> Thomas Vanna came into the conversation and said, that's what happens when you put your number one power play unit out in an eight, nothing game. <laughs> okay. Continue. And, and that, continue. So, so if that were the case, then the score would be relevant. The score in this instance is completely irrelevant. We could have won by 10, lost by 10. It could have been a one goal game. Nothing happens in the game. Like there's, you're talking 10 year olds, right? Like go have fun. You're, you're coaching them. No chippiness, no hits, no parents screaming at the ref, no coaches screaming at players or refs, nothing. Like one of the most non-drama Sounds games. very uneventful. Could, yes. Non-drama games you could have had. Until? Until the <laughs> handshake line. And so we go, I'm, I end up being the last coach. Were you line. yelling during the game? Not one bit. I'm an assistant coach. I'm on the door. I basically open the door and correct kids and, and be positive. Hey, give a, a high five, tap their head, like great pass. This it's a big role. You're working hard. It's a big role working the door. Huge role. It, it's hard yeah. in the sense that you got to change and get these 10 year olds off the ice and on the ice. Great for the morale though. We're in line, shaking hands. Kids go, tap, tap, tap. Everyone's good. It's good. Shake the first coach's hand. Shake it. Shake the second coach's hand. Great game. Good job. We'll see you. Third coach comes along. He reaches his hand out to me. So I go to shake his hand. Hey, good game. He deliberately moves it over. You know, like, gave me his hand to shake and then moved it. Deliberate that he's not shaking my hand. Okay, very childish. Carry on. So I simply say in this kind of tone, you don't want to shake hands? He goes, not with you. You're a piece of shit. Oh, he and must go, listen to the show because that's Craig saying. <laughs> so so I, I go like this. I turn. I shake the last guy's, you know, last coach's hand. Therefore, I go, I'm a piece of shit. And he goes, yeah, you're a piece of shit. I'll knock you the fuck out. I'm like, what just what? happened? This is like the most uneventful game. Nothing is going on. No one has said a word. And I go, that's fine. But I don't know who you are or why you think I'm a piece of shit or why you want to knock me out. Give me some context to what this is, where it is. And this is happening on the ice, on the ice, on the ice. So what did he say? He said that. And we just went back and forth for a little bit. Like, I'm not in his face. I'm just, I'm not screaming at him. He's. Somewhat Did you yelling. find out why he had this? So, so nothing happens past that, right? Like, it's just kind of verbal back and forth. He or had whatever. a thing for Harvest back in the day, didn't he? I wish it was something like that. I wish I knew what it was. So we go back to the locker room, fine, decompress, walking out. And now another assistant coach on their team comes out, comes right to me, says, listen, I'm sorry that happened. No idea what that's all about. Like... I apologize, you know, all this, you know what I mean? And I go, that's, that's fine. But I go, I have no idea who he is. I have no idea why this happened. You know, fast forward a bit, get his name all day yesterday. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my connection to this person may be and why he wants to kick my ass. You go over it, right? Like 
some scorned fan, you know, he lost money when we were in the tank years and I scored a goal or he didn't like what I did for the Sabres or he didn't like You're what going, I said. You were going back in your mind thinking he, that well, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to figure out what could be, what could possess a guy in a 10 year game. Did you throw a game? Want to kick my ass. Did you, you know mean? throw one of those games, Gio? I, I did not throw one of the games. <laughs> I did the opposite. I scored against the Arizona Coyotes with about a minute left who we were fighting for last place in. And I got booed out of the key bank center for it. Beside the point, I I digress. Well, well, that, yeah, go ahead. Let, let's so let's hear this. So have you figured? So I'm it trying out? to figure out how I I know it. You know, the coach, you know, of their team emailed our, or text our coach apologizing, saying, "Oh, figure it out." You know, we're trying to figure out where it's come from and and what it's all about. And he says it has something to do with a double A uh, game from last year. I get the name, and I I give it to Harvest, and she goes. I think it's this guy, X person. What happened is last year, my son lines up for a faceoff. Kid next to him, he's a winger. Kid next to him starts to line up. A guy on the glass is banging on the glass, calls over the kid and motions to him to take out the player next to him. Happens to be my son. Puck's dropped. My son takes a cross check across the head. Gets like, Basically jumped on it. Incident happens. Like, Harvest, like, dude, this kid, you know, did this, think nothing of it. Our coach last year uh, put in an incident report because they saw the the adult motion to do this gesture for the kid to go in, and hit him. I don't think it has anything to do with my kid. I think it was just chance that he was lined up across from him. They report it. The kid gets suspended. The guy is a coach that was suspended and telling his son player to take out a guy he gets suspended not allowed on come to find out that that this that's this guy that wouldn't shake my hand oh in the so game he's just a sore fucking loser but like i wasn't at the game i didn't report the incident i knew nothing i didn't even know his damn name until tuesday uh, nothing you, bru you bruised his ego geo apparently he wants to kick my ass, wow. and I'm a piece of shit for his for him telling his kid to go after my kid. Apparently, was he pretty so. tough? I'll fight him. I don't know. What's don't he, know is he, he the, like? Is he in decent shape? Like, what kind of shape do I gotta be in to fucking throw a couple <laughs> haymakers at this guy? I think you'll handle your own, Petey. Okay, oh my God. that's my incident. I know names. Do you play them teams, again? Do you play them? I don't. Again? I don't know if we do or not. But I fucking hate youth sports. Okay, it's insane. I, I like. I'm just. Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? And now I'm you know. at my brother's game and there's a kid that scores a bunch of goals and he scores like three goals and the, the dad's down banging on. They're beating this team 12-1. He's like, that's three. That's four. And he's like yelling it in the rink. He's like, that's five. He's got five. And the kid fucking scores two or three goals every game. And the dad's there like. I'm just like, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I didn't say anything. I'm sitting there silent and I'm just looking. I'm like, it's 11 to one. Yeah. It's 11 to one. Your kid is pumping goals on a goalie that literally can't move to the side. <laughs> okay. Like fucking have some, have some like class when it comes yeah. to winning and losing. Come on, man. The kids are, eight, buddy. Kids are eight years old. The kids exactly. are eight years old. What are we so, doing? I'm and sorry. So that's I'm like, sorry you have to deal listen, with that. Listen, I'm not well, like if I was a yeller, if I was a screamer, if I was an alarmist, like 
literally, when I tell you, when I watch my kids' games, I literally stand there and don't say a word. I watch it. I enjoy what they're doing. I enjoy watching them do what they do. And I will have the same reaction whether they score a goal or whether they get completely cheap shotted or or whatever. I let the game handle the game, right? Like the refs will take care of it. After the game, I'll tell my son or daughter, listen, you need to stand up for yourself. You need to watch out for this, you know, like, like protect yourself. But in the moment, I'm not like, oh, running on the field. My daughter just got blew up in soccer. Like, what are you doing to her? Like, yeah. I let yeah. it be. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. like, whether my kid's down hurt or they're scoring the, the overtime winning goal, I have the same damn reaction. Just enjoy watching your kids. Please just enjoy being with your kids and watching your damn kids. Stop making it something it's not. Yeah. Have some damn perspective. Yeah, Gio, well said, man. Well, it listen, it's every sport. That'll fall on deaf ears because that's impossible. 100%. <laughs> and I didn't happen. want to be the next YouTube sensation and start losing my mind on the ice over this guy coming at me. So uh, One of us knows all about cool. that. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> ah, well, you know, if you want to go there. Thanks, Gio. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. <laughs>